Hello, Texans. Welcome to the program. Coming to you from Indianapolis, the NFL Scouting Combine 2023. And let's get right to it as we have D'Amico Ryans on the show tonight. Extended visit with the head coach. Then Greg Cosell. You know, he's great at evaluating quarterbacks, all positions for NFL films. Big visit with him. And later on, D.P. Sidhu with a stand-up with Chris Sims from Pro Football Talk. Former Longhorn quarterback, as you all know, and good friend of Kyle Shanahan. What's he going to say about D'Amico Ryans? All of that is coming your way. But first, our visit with the new head coach of the Texans. It's the maiden voyage on Texans Radio for head coach D'Amico yes. Ryans. How's it going, coach? Going great, going great. Great all to right. be on with you guys. All right. Well, good to have you at the Scouting Combine and uh, the first of many visits here on Texans Radio. First of all, well, let's just get to the present. How has it been at the Combine so far for you, what you're concentrating on here, that kind of thing? Yeah, it's been really good so far. It's just an opportunity for us to, you know, get in front of these athletes, right, to get a, a, a firsthand look and get to know these guys, right, and as much as you can. We have these formal interviews or this process where we go through sit down, ask guys questions, just getting background information on guys is really for me, what I'm trying to get out of this is to see the character of the guy, you know, Mm -hmm. his upbringing, because if you get the right guy, right, he's made of the right stuff, and we'll know the talent, you know, their strengths and weaknesses and every player, we can help them with that, but do you have the right makeup? Are you made of the right stuff to where you want to be coachable, you want to be great, finding those type of guys, that's what we're looking for. Coach, you having gone through this process, has it changed how you look at these players and these prospects a little bit because you know what it's been like and now you're seeing it through different eyes as the head coach of the Texans, but has it helped you at all going through this process? Yes, it, it definitely has helped me being able, being going through this process before, just how you treat the guys, yeah, right? Yeah, and the yeah. type of interviews, like, do you want to just, you know, some guys come at the guys very aggressive, and you're, yeah. it's like, well, I didn't like that when someone came at me that way. So mm-hmm. I want to make sure, you know, I'm treating those guys yeah. how I would have liked to be treated right. during this entire process because you have to understand you know, what these guys are going through. It's a lot, right? It's right. a lot on these guys. There's a lot of meetings just back to back to back, and they have they have to answer a lot of questions, right? That spotlight is on these guys. So I want to make it as easy as possible for these guys just to – you know, feel comfortable right. and just allow them to tell their story. How hard is it to tell if a player really wants to improve, has that drive to improve individually and is coachable, like you said? Yeah, well, I think you always ask guys, what what is it that you need to improve on? Mm-hmm. And when guys can really be self-reflective and they mm-hmm. can – tell you about okay this certain technique when I'm run blocking I can I can do a better job of using my hands or running my feet that just that gets me right I can tell right there okay this guy understands his weaknesses and he's prepared to work on them because he knows it now he knows what he needs to do to improve coach you were an all-american defensive player you were defensive rookie of the year you were defensive coordinator but now you got to put together an offensive staff how was that process for you, knowing what you were looking for offensively and what you wanted to do when you put together the offensive side of the ball? Right. It's, it's about finding the right guys, the right guys who can lead, the right guys who can run a room, the right guys who can inspire, guys who are always learning, always trying to be on the cutting edge of what's next. Right. That's what I was looking for. And, you know, finding a guy like that and, and Bobby Sloak, a guy I know, I know who he is as a man, a uh, family man, uh, 
just an awesome guy, smart guy, one of the smartest guys I've been around. He's helped me grow as a coach, just mm -hmm. being around him. He's always challenging, always asking questions. So that's why you know, I feel like we have – I know we have the right guy in Bobby, and I know he's going to continue to grow and develop in the role that he has. I know it's got to be a combination, but how much of it is – you got to run the offense the way I see it. This is what I want exactly yeah. versus, hey, you got this, so whatever you think. I know you gotta, you got to combine on a lot of that. Right, though. and for me, when I was looking for the offensive coordinator, I want our offense to look like our defense. So my philosophy mm. on defense is we want to be attacking up front. The front is going to dominate what we do, right? It's going to drive a lot of what we do. So it's the same thing as we attack the ball defensively. It's the same thing from an offensive perspective. We want our offensive line coming off, running off the ball, attacking, playing aggressive style of football. And both of those, because everything starts at the line of scrimmage, but both sides playing an aggressive style, attacking football. Same thing with our ball carriers, running backs, uh, receivers, whoever gets the ball in our hand. We want mm -hmm. guys who are attacking, right? guys who are attacking, guys who are explosive finishers. So that's the type, same type of style defensively. So – when I envision this team, it's like there is an overarching philosophy in how we play. It's a swarming mentality from offensive and defensive and special team perspective. Coach, I know obviously we want to look forward. It's about the future. But when you try and figure out how you want to build this football team in 2023 alongside Nick Casario, how much did you look back at 2022 and how's that evaluation gone when you look back at what was here what was successful, what wasn't as successful, and here's how we want to do this going forward. Right. It's, uh, that's where we start as coaches when you're coming in. Even if, you know, we were here already and we were looking at our team again, you always want to look back, right? right? See how, how are the guys that you have on your roster, right? What type of players are they? Where can they improve? So that's what our coaches have been doing. That's what they're still in the process of doing now is really evaluating our roster. Right, and seeing where these guys are and where should we add, right? Who are the guys that we feel like are really good and can are ready to take that next step? Right. So it's really doing a deep dive internally because you have to know what you have before you try to go out and shop for other pieces. Well, we may have a guy in-house already who can do exactly what, he, what we need him to do. So we're just trying to make sure we put this puzzle together the proper way. Coach, what can you tell us about how you'll run the defense with Matt Burke? And he's had some other ideas as well. So how do you collaborate with him? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, our style is it's the same, right? With, it all starts with the front, as mm -hmm. I spoke about earlier. And with coverages, me and Matt will do similar things that mm -hmm. we've done in San Francisco. So the coverage, it'll be basically, it's always multiple with me, but we always start with our three deep scheme mm -hmm. as, a, as a home base. We start there. And then we're multiple. We'll integrate two high schemes. We'll have different pressure packages. And we'll just be multiple. We never want mm -hmm. to right there just – we never want to just give the offense the answer. So we're right. always trying to be multiple, always uh, moving, disguising, making sure we make it tough on the quarterback we're playing. Coach, I want to go back because you and I – we haven't met until today. Yeah. In fact, when you were announced as head coach, I was down at the Senior Bowl. It was an exciting time. It was funny because – the people in Mobile, I was in a tire shop. I'll tell you a story. There was a tire shop. And they showed you up there, and the guy said, he saw my logo, and he said, y'all got a good one. I was like, thanks. It was a tire shop in Mobile. But yeah. when did you know you wanted to be a head coach, and when did you know Houston was the spot where you had to be the head coach? Yeah, coaching has just always been in my DNA. From playing, I was always coaching the guys who were next to me or making sure they were developing to be their best. 
has just always been part of my nature to help the others who were alongside me. So that's just who I was from college, right, the NFL. Right, that's just who I've been. I always felt like if if I can play my best, which I'm going to bring my best, play at, a, at the highest level possible, now if I can get four other guys around me playing at their yeah. best, now we can go out and be successful. So right. I always knew that coaching was a part of me, and I had the opportunity to do it during the lockout year, uh, 2000, 2010. During the lockout year, I had the chance to go back to my high school and <laughs> – it was during the spring ball, yeah. so I was working out back in Alabama, and uh, that coach they didn't have a defensive coordinator for spring ball, so I was like, "Hey man, let me can I run the defense?" <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah, come on, man." It was a former we were former teammates at Alabama together, yeah. and uh, Dennis Alexander, and so he let me run the defense. He just let me take it over completely, right. and man, that was one of the best experiences I've had, and really show me why you love football right. and that's always been ingrained in me like when I talk to players in NFL I say hey man just remember remember when you played in high school yep. right remember mm. how fun it was remember how it was just fun to get out there and just go play the game yep, absolutely. Right. and it was fun never lose sight of that right. right and that right there just truly sparked my interest when I seen how excited those kids were when we went on and we won a game we were successful like that's always stuck yeah. with me so Frank Ross is still with the Houston Texans. Special yeah. teams were good last year. What about the relationship with him? How that developed in a short period of time? Yeah, just just talking with Frank when I when I first touched down in Houston. You know, just meeting different people, meeting with coaches. Uh, Frank was one guy, you know, sat sat down with, and we spent a lot of time together, just talking about the philosophy on special teams, and it's pretty much how my how I envisioned it and how. Yeah. I want us to play on special teams, and they've done a great job here in special teams. Uh, before I got here, Frank has done an outstanding job. Right, the special team unit was one of the units that excelled, and mm -hmm. we just want to continue to play that that brand of football. And, and Frank is a very knowledgeable coach, brings high energy, really loves like the way he coaches. Coach, being back in Houston, we're a player. Now you're a coach. Not only are you the coach, you're the leader. How many people have been pulling at you, have been, been able to say no to anybody? I mean, we've seen you out there doing so much. I know you've got to be excited about getting on the field at some point in coaching, but right. how's it been these first couple of – how long have we been doing this, a month? <laughs> how long have you been at this, six uh, weeks I now? If no, that, <laughs> have you had a chance to take a breath what? and just go, man, I'm going to no, coach the Texans? Man, I haven't. It's just been nonstop, nonstop, yeah. nonstop. Mm -hmm. So it's, I know it's a lot of work to get done, but I also, you know, have to take a step back and understand, you know, you still – you have to get rest. You have to make sure that, right. man, I'm prepared to make really good decisions with what we're doing with our team moving forward. But it's, it's been nonstop action, right? Yeah. A lot of people pulling, so you learn how to say no <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very quickly. Yeah. Uh, if you don't, it's, just, it's too hard. So having good people around me, good support system has been really good. But it's, it's outstanding, man. We're, we're fired up. Mm -hmm. I'm fired up. Family's fired up. Man, we're fired up to be a part you know, of this organization. One thing that really struck me in your introductory press conference was talking about building good men, great yeah. men, great husbands, fathers, that kind of thing, and how important that is to you because you don't really hear that from everybody in this league, D'Amico. Yeah. So how important is it? Explain that to the listeners. Yeah, that's that's everything to me because that's, it's more than football, right? Mm -hmm. Football is what we do. That's, that's our sport. We go play football, but – these guys, right, these men that we have 
for however long a period of time, however short a period of time, how long are they going to be with us? And what can we instill in these guys that they can take with them forever? Right, and to me, that's about it's about helping the complete man, right? Mm -hmm. About building a complete man. Yeah, we're going to play great football. We're going to be we're going to do our best on the field. But what else can those guys take home with them, right? Being great husbands, being great fathers. That's where I feel as a coach. Coaches had a lot of impact on my life, right, outside of the game of football, right. teaching me about finances, teaching me about being a husband. So, to me, I think that's, those are some of the, the things that I hold on to, the, you know, the tightest or what are those lessons I learned from coaches outside of football. And, Coach, the men that you played with here in Houston, yep. Seeing their excitement about you coming back, what did that mean to you, those alums that you played with, the Travis Johnsons and the Jonathan Josephs and those guys that you played with yeah. that have spoken so highly of you coming back to Houston? What's that meant to you? Yeah, it's been really humbling, man, just to understand the the respect that those guys had for me and you know, to know that you know, the way I went about my business, the way I played, the way I handled myself on and off the field, to see that there were guys who truly looked up to me, guys who truly respected me, that's all you want in this league is respect from your peers. Yep. And to see that at the press conference, to see all the guys who showed up to show their support, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was, it was special. It was emotional to yeah, see all yeah. that mm -hmm. because you just know, like, man, like these guys are with me. Yeah. Right, and it means more than anything I could ever yeah. ask for to have those guys support. I was well, in Mobile crying in my car, Coach. Well, I still wake <laughs> up almost every morning and say, D'Amico Ryan's is our head coach. Okay. <laughs> so I got to ask it. Okay, yeah. so I got to ask this because we do – we when you're playing, we call you D'Amico. People call you Cap. I mean, I'm to us, you'll be – I'm calling him Coach. I'm calling you Coach. Are you okay with that? I'm okay with that. Right, I'm we'll okay with Coach. coach from that works. Sure. It's All like right. doctor. I think <laughs> from now on, you're always going to be Coach. Even yeah. though some will call you Cap or Miko, you'll always be Coach. Okay. Oh, yeah. I wanted how to much, make sure we're good with that. How much have you thought about game day and how it's going to be on game day for you as a head coach oh, the and the decisions time? involved yeah. and oh. organizing everything? Have you thought much about that yet? Because there's so much other stuff to do right now. <laughs> yeah, there's so much other stuff to do. I haven't gotten there, but you yeah. just got me fired up just thinking <laughs> about that. Like, wow, that's, I just envision just coming out of the tunnel with our mm -hmm. team. Like, mm -hmm. man, seeing the stands yeah. packed. Yeah. Like, it's, it's going to be exciting. But, yeah, going through that process of actually – being a guy who has to call time out or make <laughs> yeah. decisions like, oh, <laughs> wait, there's a few more responsibilities here. Yeah, so, yeah. no, I know it's uh, a lot of people be counting on me. So I just mm -hmm. want to make sure we're making, you know, smart decisions, making sure we surround ourselves with the right people. And one more thing about that, not that, but something that's between then and now, joint practices. Where are you on that, yeah. D'Amico, or oh, coach? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm all about joint practices. Okay. I think joint practices – are awesome because you get a chance to go against different schemes. Mm -hmm, so for yeah, our yeah. defense, like our offense will go against us, and we're a four-down team primarily. Mm -hmm. now our offense also needs to see looks versus a, a three-down team, right? So to pro provide those different schemes, different personnel, like guys need to go against another team and join practices, yep. and it breaks the monotony of camp of just beating up against each other all the time. You can't get to day three, though. 
Day no. three gets kind of <laughs> lousy, man. It gets chippy on day three now. Yeah. That's when the big fights start. Days what, one and two are okay. Day three is tough. Was man. it strange coming back to Houston with the 49ers in a joint practice situation in the heat of camp and oh, all that? Like yeah, it, it was a little strange. I had I tried to warn the guys about the humidity. But <laughs> you can't so warn anybody. You can't warn them. Like, you just, just got to yeah. feel it. They don't understand it. Yeah. Coach, well, when you well, – one last one from yeah. me. After you guys had lost this to Philadelphia, I thought it was telling that when Fred Warner stepped up to the mic and then, you know, Nick Bosa was talking about your impact on them because at that point it felt like, okay, you know, D'Amico's going to move on, whether it's Houston or somewhere else. When you hear it from those guys that you've been leading, you know, Fred Warner's like, I came in the league. He was my linebacker's coach. I've been with him from day one. But now you get to create those relationships with new guys in Houston. Yeah. Hearing it from the old guys and then being able to do it in Houston, what does that mean to you as the head coach? I mean, that's everything to me because that's why I coach. Yeah. Like, to yeah. build those relationships and to have that impact on a guy like Fred Warner, guys like Nick Bosa, Dre Greenlaw, and to hear them, you know, say you know, the kind words that they had to say about me, that just solidifies, man, why I do what I do. Right and why I love doing what I do, just because I can have an impact on those young men in their lives. Well, we love having you here, Coach. Thanks a lot for being on with us. Thanks, guys. Enjoy it. All right, there he is, D'Amico Ryan's first of many visits with Texans Radio as head coach of your Houston Texans. Coming up, Greg Cosell. What does he have to say about some of the NFL free agent quarterbacks, but more importantly, the draftable quarterbacks? We'll get to his comments next here on Texans Radio. Moving right along here at the NFL Scouting Combine, Texans Radio, as promised, a visit with Greg Cosell. NFL Films, once upon a time, part of that show, Edge NFL Matchup. Boy, that was great product placement, if you will, product marketing. And Greg does a lot of work with NFL Films, some with the Philadelphia Eagles as well. A lot of things to say as he breaks down a ton of tape. He and Johnny break down more tape than anybody else in the universe, but let's bring him aboard. Greg, how's it going? Going great, guys. Good to see you. It seems, you know, this is our annual conversation, you know? It is. And we have a lot to talk about. (laughs) I don't know if I have any brilliant answers this year, John. I'm I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. But you just said to us a little while ago, Greg, before we got started, (coughs) you just finished your what number year? My 43rd season at NFL Films. Okay, so somebody were to ask you, like I'm about to, What's the biggest change in 43 years? Oh. What's the well, give biggest, us a couple. biggest change? The one thing that changed over 43 years that you look back and you go, oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's a very broad-based it question. It is a broad-based Change in terms of what? What are we referring to? Just the game itself. Oh, the game of football. The game of football. Oh. Oh. The game of – hold on. Yeah. The game of NFL, NFL football. NFL football. Uh, I'd say there's numerous changes. Um, one – Let's start with a simple one. To me, it's simple. The, the idea that you go back years and years, and every year we would talk about a running back being the first pick in a draft. That's correct, yes. I mean, I can go back. I mean, you go wow. back to 1980. I think that was the year George Rogers was the number one pick in a draft. Yep. Um, you know, obviously that wouldn't even be considered now. Uh, you know, you look at someone like B. John Robinson, who obviously is in more in your neck of the woods than in mine. I've actually done all his tape study. I think he's a terrific, terrific prospect. There's no chance he'd be the number one pick in a draft. Yep. We don't even know if he'll be a top ten pick. You know, it's very possible he might be the 25th pick in the draft. And, you know, he's the kind of player that years and years ago would have clearly been seen as a number one type pick in a draft. So the game has clearly changed in that regard. That's one area. I think the other area that immediately jumps out to me, and we could 
probably have this conversation forever, and we might after we're done with this. Right. But is the fact that we live in a world of of um, of, of multiple wide receiver offense mm-hmm. and sub defense? Yes. That's mm-hmm. the world in which we live. You know, back in the day, you know, years and years ago, the only time you'd see a third wide receiver on the field was on third and long. You know, the mm-hmm. only time you'd see an, an extra defensive back or a quote-unquote slot corner was in those situations. You know, now we live in a world of 11 personnel versus sub-defense. Now it varies from team to team, obviously, but teams think far more about that than they think about running base offense and, and base defense. There's an exception here and there. We know the 49ers, a very good team in the league. Obviously, they feature 21 personnel, two backs. That's a Kyle Shanahan belief, and they have a great fullback in Kyle Juszczyk. But that's the exception in today's NFL for the most part. The game is played out of 11 personnel versus sub-defense. You mentioned that running back going first not happening these days. What about smaller quarterbacks going yeah. first or early, oh like Bryce Young, <coughs> Kyler Murray? Great point. Uh, if Doug Flutie were coming out today, he's going top ten probably. Well, he'd be, the point is he'd be seen differently. Yeah. You know, Again, you never know, but you could well be right. Um, but the point is, and I've had this conversation with numi- numerous offensive coaches, is that um, I'd say there's two things about quarterbacks that are deemed – one being less important and the other being more important. The less important is the height, mm-hmm. and the the more important is the ability to do things on the move, yeah. you know, second reaction type plays. That's not number one, but it's become far more important in today's NFL. Back in the day, no one thought about a quarterback's ability to do things out of structure of an offense. In fact, if you saw a quarterback in college who did too much of that, very often he was viewed as a non-prospect. Because right. he couldn't play from the pocket. Yep. And, and sure, there's a balance there. That can't be your number one thing. You still have to make throws from the pocket, and you have to do that with efficiency. But it's, it's clear in today's NFL with the expansion of defenses, with the increased speed of defenses, with more faster players on defenses due to sub-defenses, nickel, dime, some teams even play 70 Bs at times, that quarterbacks do have to be able to move somewhere along the line. Um, and when it comes to height, there's no question that, you know, and that, that's a case-by-case. Case. We're certainly going to get an interesting uh, situation this year with Bryce Young, who's a really, really good player. And with him, it's not just height. You have the, the, the double exception element with him with the weight. Right. You know, it's one thing if a guy is 5'10", 210, then at least just say he's got a little girth to him. But, you know, Bryce Young's likely to weigh 200 or less. Mm-hmm. You know, so with him, you have, you know, that double dilemma. But... I think that those things are clearly not as important or seen as important, whereas years ago, I mean, Bryce Young 20 years ago, no matter how great he was in college, would never be seen as a top five pick in an NFL draft. Yeah, no doubt. And Greg, I want to start, we'll go to Bryce in just a second, but I want to ask you about the <coughs> quarterbacks now in the NFL because there are yeah. a couple of them that seemingly are on the move, and we don't know exactly, but we would think Derek Carr for sure is, and Aaron Rodgers, you don't know. What do you think the future is for those two? And more specifically, where are those two and what do they still have left in the tank as NFL quarterbacks? You know, I think Derek Carr is a really intriguing player. He's a really gifted thrower of the football. He's had a lot of of offensive coordinators and a lot of, you know, different coaches through the years. And that's difficult. I'm not sure people realize how difficult that can be. Mm-hmm. You know, I spoke to a coach who coached in the league for 45 years, and, and he explained it this way to me, and it really resonated. He said, think of it this way. One year, you're, you're, you're 
you have to learn French, and you master French. And then as soon as, in the se- as soon as the season ends, a new coach comes in. He says, well, no, forget about all the French. Now we're going to start learning German. You know, and, <laughs> yeah. and that's the way it is for quarterbacks when there's a totally new offensive system that comes into play. It's not only the language, but it's how you get to the concepts. So you're starting from scratch, and he's had to go through a lot of that in his career. Um, you know, he's he's a tough quarterback. He's got some movement to him. He throws the ball really well. I think Derek Carr, in the right situation, you know, you probably wouldn't put him in the top five in the league, but he's a quality NFL quarterback. Aaron Rodgers, you know, I don't think he was as good this year as he's been in the past. I think you saw his body break down a little bit. I don't think he moved quite as well. Obviously, he's still a ridiculously good thrower of the football. You know, we may have never seen anybody throw the ball in the history of the game the way Aaron Rodgers throws the ball. Um, But, you know, with Rodgers... I think with him it comes down to, because he's under contract, what you would have to give up. Yeah. So the question is, what are you willing to v- give up for a guy who may decide he only wants to play one more year? And you and you won't know that. Right. He may play this year and then decide he's done. So, you know, with him, I think it's a much tougher call if you're a team interested in him as, as your quarterback. And you have to pay him a few dollars as well right. along the way. You. Greg Cosell, NFL Films, joining us, Combine Radio Row. All right, let's get to some of the rookies. Where are you at in your rookie evaluations, especially with the so-called top four QBs, Greg? Uh, I've done pretty much all of them. I've got my notes with me. Here we go. I've got my notes with me. I've done Levis. I'm done with Levis. I'm done with Richardson. Um I'm done with C.J. Stroud. I'm done with pretty much done with Bryce Young. All right, let's start in no particular order. Richardson, out of Florida. What do you make of him coming into the NFL this year? Richardson is a fascinating guy because, you know, I would imagine. Think of it this way, and and John, I think you'd really appreciate this. Not that you wouldn't, but you yeah, know, is I think all quarterback coaches, if you told them to list the traits of quarterbacks, they probably all have the same 12 or 15 traits. Yep. The question is, what value do they ascribe to those traits? Point. And different coaches might ascribe different value. So what does Richardson bring to the table? Brit- Richardson brings size, a power hose, oh. and he can run. Okay. Beyond that, he doesn't bring anything to the table. Now, mm. if every coach I've talked to and said, what's the first thing you look at when you look at a college quarterback – the, the universal answer I get is accuracy. Wow. Universal. Richardson is a very inaccurate quarterback. Mm. You, he's scattershot. You don't know. I'm not sure he knows where the ball's going. So there's no nuance and subtlety to his game. Now, so now what you need to find out, you need to find out a couple of things with Richardson. Number one, he, he does not have a lot of reps in college football. It's easy to say he should have stayed. He chose not to. Number two, you got to find out which I, I don't have this luxury. You have to find out what kind of kid he is. Right. You know, does he have that extra, you know, that we talk about with Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts, that work ethic, that approach, whatever you want to call it. You know, does he have that? Because in speaking to a coach today, he told me that you could see that with Josh Allen when you interviewed him when he came out, that mm. you knew there were issues with Josh Allen in terms of accuracy and other things. But after spending time with the kid, you walked away feeling like this kid's got something within him and it's going to come out. So you'd have to find that out about Anthony Richardson. Because right now, I also spoke to another coach who basically told me he was unwatchable. He said he's a late-round draft pick to me. He's wow. unwatchable. So he's, he is a difficult guy to watch at times, by the way. And 
you know, so the question is, if you draft them high, most of the time when you draft quarterbacks high, no matter what teams say, those guys play. Mm. They play. So then you get into what kind of offense you would run with him. See, it's funny. I don't see him like Josh Allen at all. I think if you would draft Anthony Richardson and you had to play him, I think you'd want to run an offense like the Eagles with Jalen Hurts. Yes. Boom. Absolutely. Wow. That's what I think. That's where you he's, maximize his value. He's not Josh Allen to me at all. People say that because of the size and the, and the gun. But to me, he's not Josh Allen. You'd have to run an offense more like the Eagles with Jalen Hurts where the run game creates so many problems for the defense that you can at least clearly define the throws for Richardson. Because he's not – you can make the argument that when you watch him on tape and think a little more conventionally about quarterbacks that he's not very good at all right now. Wow. And if you watch, if you watch a certain <coughs> game, i.e. Tennessee game, you're like, whoa. If you watch the Kentucky game, you're like, oh. It's like that throughout games where you yeah. see him in a, in, a, in, in a good game and you're like, yes. Then you'll see him in a different game and you're like, hell no. And it really matters which game you watch well, with Richardson. If you didn't watch them all, if you just picked one and you picked the well, right one, you'll think he's the number one I watched. Pick. I watched Utah, Kentucky, not, yeah. Tennessee, LSU, Georgia, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, and Florida no, no, State. No, no, I know you watch them. I'm, I'm just <laughs> saying there are a lot of people out there, Greg, that don't do that. Right. And they'll look at one game and they'll think, that guy's a stud. And then – and if by the way, the other he's game. got a lot of stud plays. Yes, exactly. I'm, I'm not trying to sit here and say right. the guy can't no, no, play no. at all. No, no, no. But overall, if you look at the large body of work, and yep. much of this is due to lack of experience. Mm -hmm. Don't forget, in 2021, I watched all his plays because he only had about 170 of them. In this year, he was a starter for the first time. Right. So he just does not have a lot of reps, yep. right. which makes him a major projection. And the bottom line is a team is not going to know until they get him in their bill, they can do all their due diligence and they can feel pretty good about what they, they think they're going to get, right. but they're not going to know for sure until he's in their building, right. they're working with him on a day-to-day -day basis. Greg, let's go to the the other, eh, I don't want to say polarizing one, because they're all polarizing in their own way. Will Levis from Will Kentucky. Levis. Yeah, Will Levis to me is, is a really interesting player. Um, First of all, he's he's got traits, too, he, because he can snap it off. He's got a compact delivery. He can flick it. He can attack all three levels. He played in what would be considered two NFL-style offenses uh, the last two years. <clears throat> um, this year, he played behind a poor O-line. Uh, you know, he supposedly was really hurt pretty badly much of the season, yep. and there were games apparently he shouldn't even have played, but he's, you know, he's, he's a tough, physical, competitive kid. Now, even though I think he can run a little, he's not really a second reaction player. Um, mm. he, I think he can run by design, but I think he, he, he lacks in a couple of areas. He doesn't have great pocket movement. He's pretty much a pocket quarterback, which means that the margin for error, you know, increases a bit because ultimately he's got to be protected and it has to be clearly defined for him so he can feel comfortable delivering the football. You know, to me, he would fit best in an offense to start if he had a play early in an offense that featured conventional play action with more defined reads and throws. So he could feel, because that normally defines things for a quarterback. You know, when you go put the quarterback under center, keep in mind, under center play action is much more effective play action than shotgun play action for this reason. It takes longer to get to the mesh point. So right. second-level defenders can't 
they don't know what the play is until you get to the mesh point and behind, beyond. Mm-hmm. So they have to wait. And that split second counts. Yep. Yeah, fractions count in the NFL. Yep. So, you know, I think that he'd have to be, you know, he'd have to play in that. Um, you know, I think his 2021 tape gives you a better feel for how he could effectively transition to the NFL. I thought that Liam Cohen's offense in 2021 just seemed to, to be more rhythmic. It allowed... It allowed Levis to be more rhythmic in his play than what happened in 2022. For whatever reason, you know, we mm-hmm. weren't there. I can't speak to the whys, but right. that's what the tape showed. Yep. So I think that you got a better feel for the rhythmic nature of his play watching his 2021 tape. Okay, let's go to C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State. Had the great game against yeah. Georgia. C.J. Stroud is – he's a really – good thrower of the football I mean he's a natural natural thrower of the football and I think the thing with Stroud is he can do something that's hard to teach he just has it he has pace and touch he can feather the ball he can layer the ball that not a lot of quarterbacks there's a lot of quarterbacks that have big arms but they can't throw with pace and touch so we watch them throw we go man that guy's got a hose but they can't make all the right kinds of throws Mm. Stroud can do that and he also you know, you wouldn't say Stroud has a gun, but he can make every single throw. Um, so, to me, Stroud of this group is the best th- overall thrower of the football and the ability to make all the necessary throws that are required in the National Football League. Yeah, I think he's – the guy I comped him to, Greg, and I did this actually in the spring because of his ball placement and one other aspect, and yep. that is he's – He's gifted enough to get out of the pocket and do something with his legs, but it's often to throw, not to right. run. He's not a runner per se. Yeah. I came up with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was that guy that I came up with because Joe kind of thinks that way. Joe will right. scramble when he needs to, but Joe's right. ball placement coming out of LSU yeah. was just spot on, and that was what I saw with C.J. Stroud. And then he got in that Georgia game, and it was like, man, this guy's Yeah, well, that's the game level. where people start to feel like, hey, at least he can make some plays on the move. Yep. You know, the, the only question you always have with Ohio State quarterbacks, and you can't blame Ryan Day, his job's to win games at Ohio no, no, State, no. is they're rarely under duress. True. And receivers seem to be wide open. Yep. So, you know, you think to yourself, okay, how's he going to deal with contested pockets, muddied pockets? Um which is different than leaving the pocket because you can't – he's not a guy that's always going to leave the – you know, did he have to do it a few times against arguably the best defense in college football, Georgia? Yes, and he did it well. But that's not going to – he's not going to make a living in the NFL. That's not going to be his game. Right. His game is going to be playing from the pocket and being able to do two things. Pocket movement, which I think he showed he can do. You know, that's navigating in a smaller, confined space mm-hmm. and being able to throw – with bodies around him where the pocket gets squeezed. You know, those are two things he'll have to do. Now, I think you saw flashes of both, but Ohio State, you don't see a lot of those plays because he's so well protected and receivers are open. But just looking at him throw the ball, he's a natural thrower of the football. Greg Cosell with us, NFL Films. One more for you, Greg. Final thoughts on Young. Get into him a little bit. Is the perceived consensus correct that he's the top prospect here in this draft? Yeah, and and Bryce Young, I've gotten to know Bryce Young and his family, and he's an Mm. unbelievable kid. I mean, he's going to blow everybody away. And he could step right in and run an NFL offense because Bill O'Brien gave him 
freedom, which Bill O'Brien does not do with college quarterbacks. And, mm-hmm. and he gave Bryce Young freedom at the line of scrimmage. Bryce Young is incredibly intelligent and incredibly instinctive, sees it, understands it. The likelihood of his he'll be 5'11", 198 pounds. Right. So he's an exception in both areas, not just in height, but also in weight and girth. So, you know, that's you have to decide how you feel about that. Um, he has a great feel for space, great spatial awareness, navigates space exceptionally well, incredibly intuitive, sees everything. But when there is pressure and that he can't move for whatever reason, he loses velocity. He doesn't. He's not a power thrower, doesn't have a big natural arm. You know, not a bad arm, but not a big natural arm. Um, so, you know, those are the – you have to decide. Ultimately, you have to decide how you feel about the size issue because th- there's special moments to the way in which he plays. Greg, thanks so much for the time, as always. We love the visits here at the Combine. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. All right, thanks a lot for being with us, Greg Cosell. We already had D'Amico Ryan's on. We're going to podcast this show soon enough on the Texans app and on all the podcast platforms. You can hear the D'Amico interview, and he'll be a part of Texans 360 on Saturday night as well on ABC 13. It airs every Saturday night at 11 p.m. in the offseason. Check it out. YouTube, TV, we've got you covered, all the different platforms. Another guy who has you covered is Chris Sims. He's part of pft's platforms boy we say that word a lot right they're on peacock they're on nbc sports channel does that still exist i don't know you see them online a lot on twitter with mike florio dp Sidhu catches up with chris sims the former longhorn quarterback next here on texans radio not quite done yet here on texans radio as we had D'Amico ryan's on tonight we had greg cosell and as promised we will wrap it up with Chris Sims from Pro Football Talk, former Longhorn quarterback, Deep B. Sidhu, caught up with Chris. Chris, tell me a little bit about D'Amico Ryans, your thoughts on the Houston Texans, bringing back a former player, former team captain to lead the team now. Match made in heaven. I mean, that's what that is. I don't know D'Amico other than in passing, really, but I'm very close with the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan. I know what kind of guys and humans he would have around, so... You know, that's where I can just go. I, I know he's made for this job. Uh, I do. He's got great energy. I love his defensive scheme. You know, it's very sound with a splash of creativity and game plan specifics. And then I think when you add on that he played for the Texans, his wife's from there. You know, he's from the South. Seems like he wanted that job more than any. Uh, that's when the stars align and some good things can happen. He's going to have a lot of draft capital, too, number two and number 12 overall That's pick. Right. And I know you're good friends with Nick Casario, so if you had to get into Nick's head, who would you take with the number two overall pick? Well, I'm not there, like, as far as, like, I'm a, I got a feel for all these guys, but I, I can't give you, like, a stone-cold answer. But here's what I'll say with those picks. Yeah, I think this is, you know, the team has got a lot of, you know, the, the good core basic principle players on the team throughout. You know, there's a phrase I always use, a lot of good meat, meat and potato guys. Now it's time to get some guys that, you know, can make plays, be difference makers, get a big sack to close out the end of the football game, right? So I look at like, hey, pass rusher, certainly something I would think of the Houston Texans are going to be looking at in this draft. Uh, maybe a big-time wide receiver to go along with it, right? And then, of course, I mean, we know the quarterback is going to be I mean, I'd be shocked if they don't go somewhere with the quarterback. D'Amico Ryan with a six-year contract, 
that should give him the confidence to go, no, yeah, I want the quarterback. I'm going to be here to develop it and be a part of it. So I, I think those are the ones that probably jump off, you know, out at me uh, right off the top of my head. Yeah, we got a lot of picks in this year's draft class. So tell me about this draft class as a whole. What what do you like about it? Where is it sort of heavy? Where is it sort of lacking? I know. Just give me your overall perspective on 2023. Yeah, I mean, first off, the quarterbacks, I, I, I'm like early stages, right? I haven't like deep dived. I'm not ready to rank them or anything, but I do think it's a pretty good class, maybe better than I, I was expecting. So that would be the first thing. There's definitely some defensive ends to go around, which should, the Houston Texans should be very happy about. You know, as far as the overall class, like I don't mean I'm not trying to cop out. I don't have a good enough feel yet myself. Right? This is I go here. I have a little base of the stars. I've watched them, but like when this is done, this is when I will now dive into like. Okay, my bosses at NBC are going to be like, all right, tell us who's the best pass rusher, who's the best defensive tackle, the best, and I'll slowly start to dive away. So I don't mean to cop out, but no, fine, I don't have fine. great feel for, for it myself quite yet. I like the honesty. All right, you do know some of the players that are currently on the Texans roster. So they're going to their second year, guys like Damian Pierce, Jalen Petrie, Derek Steely, Chris, Christian Harris. What have you thought about those guys and what Nick Casario was able to do with his draft class last year and what you sort of expect from them this year? Yeah, I mean, I'm such a believer in Nick Casario, first off, his process and all that. And, I mean, Damian Pierce was one of my favorite players in the draft last year. I mean, I had friends in football where I was going, you need to draft Damian Pierce. Like, sledgehammer who can make big plays. Like, that's a rare combination, right? Jalen Petrie's a guy that I think maybe exceeded my expectations and a great job. I mean, playmaker, got great instincts on the backside. Uh, in, the, in the back end there, tackles well, got a knack for finding the ball, right, with the interceptions. And then the uh, the linebacker, um, oh, my gosh. Let me just say, I think he, towards the end of the year, started to pop to me about as much as any young guy in the game. I mean, when you talk about two, three rockets up his butt, like, I was like, wait, who is this guy? Wait, who? Oh, I've never heard that before. Well, I like it. It's a regular phrase, uh, phrase for me. Uh, but uh, there was just a few plays where I was like, wait, who is that guy that just flew through the line of scrimmage or made that tackle? Oh, my gosh, that's Christian Harris. Okay, so, yeah, there were some things there that uh, I really liked. All right, that being said, the Texans, what do they need to do to get to that next step, start to dominate the AFC South once again? Yeah, I think, again, you know, like I said, the meat and potatoes are there. Now it's the sizzle, it's sizzle time, mm. right? You got the corner last year in the draft. Now it's some guys where, hey, the game is too hard to think, hey, the coaches are going to coach it up right every time. We're going to go for a 12-play, 80-yard drive and score a touch. It's just too hard to live like that. You got to have some guys like a Damian Pierce or a receiver who can, hey, catch a slant, run for 40 yards, get a strip sack fumble, give the offense the ball on the 10-yard line, right? So to me, this is the year, new coach, time to strike, spend some of this money, use these assets the right way to get some some blue-chip type of players is, is what I would assess, yeah. All right, love to hear it. Chris, thanks so much for the time. Thank you, anytime. There's DP City with Chris Sims to wrap up tonight's Texans All Access program. So great to have you listening. You can check out this podcast right on the app, the website, the mobile site, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get fine podcasts, and also including but not limited to the Odyssey app. Did I list enough places you can get this show a little bit later and all of our shows and check out our D'Amico Ryan's interview along with it. All right, that's going to do it for tonight. Tomorrow night, Daniel Jeremiah, John McClain, a bunch of other guests as we wrap up the week here at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. Have a great night, everyone. Go Texans!